Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage, where I head down Broadcast Drive in Kowloon Tong from RTHK and on to Waterloo Road to visit veteran Australian singer Rosalie Carpio and talk about her late husband, the band leader, arranger, composer and virtuoso guitarist Tony Carpio, who died last October. He was famous for playing with the 60s pop group The Fabulous Echoes. A little bit of soap will wash away your lipstick from my face. They would later go to the Ed Sullivan Show in the United States. But while Tony Carpio could have had a career in America, he turned it down as Hong Kong was his home. He founded his own band, The Corsairs, also in the 1960s. was the son of an excellent banjo player, Tom Carpio, who never wanted his son to go into music, as it wasn't a stable job. But that was a lost battle. During this week's programme, we revisit parts of Tony Carpio's music career and also talk about the Tony Carpio legacy, as his sons, Chris and Bernard, carry on the family music in their own unique way. Here we are at Rosalie's flat. She's moving out, and as she's been packing and downsizing, she's discovered some of Tony's original compositions. So what have you been discovering while you've been moving out? <laughs> Surprising all the things. I've come across music that I didn't know existed. I knew there were some compositions that Tony wrote, but there were three or four that I never even knew existed, so it's surprising. And while I'm searching through all the papers and stuff in the house, contracts... I've got contracts from the 70s and 80s and, yeah, really odd contracts. I mean, and contracts was... with whom and what for? Oh, with the hotels, with... So you, what would it be, the Hilton there? Like with the Excelsior, they, that's 1985, but I've got from the Repulse Bay in the 70s and it was between musicians, hiring the musicians, because he was a band leader, Tony was a band leader. So I have some, you know, contracts there. Yeah, and uh, also, I mean, here... It's it's absolutely his handwritten compositions, isn't it? Yes, and the papers turn brown, as you can see, yeah, yellow and brown. It's rather lovely, isn't it? Whatever you and, say, the, the guide for the bass. His. I'm not sure if yeah. that's his or not, but there certainly are others. And the papers, this paper's lasted longer than some of the other things, but he always had a light penmanship. And the things are so faint, so I got the magnifying glass so I could go note by note to go over it, otherwise you couldn't read it. So, you know, I've spent a few hours on that. Yes, so trying to repair the the music. And this is like the ones he recorded on his CD. I mean, they've been adjusted several times. This is the initial, you know, notes when he was writing them and composing them. You've told me how he used to sometimes sleep with his guitar. Which one was oh, that? Definitely. <laughs> uh, the Telecaster. He, that was his wife. He was married to his guitar. Absolutely. <laughs> 
But also, I mean, when he used to compose, I mean, he was a quiet man anyway. Yes. But did he just take himself off? Did he do it at 2 o'clock in the morning or when it hit him? Always, or? just practice all night. He practiced eight yeah. hours a day easily. But with his composing... Uh, that only came in spurts. I mean, the main ones were composed in the 60s and he'd try it out at work. I've since spoken to Louis, who's still alive, the drummer in Singapore, Louis Soliano, and he said he'd try them out, bring them to work and they'd practice there and then, he'd, you know, go back and work on it again. And then when he was preparing for his album, the CD that we, he recorded in L.A., I said, write some difficult songs. You've got to write something really good. So he, that's when he did Just Let It Happen because that's a difficult, very difficult song. Not easy at all. Nothing <laughs> easy doesn't exist. Wrote that he wrote a couple then, so to make some new ones, 1992. But the things he wrote in the 60s are still brilliant to this day, and in a, in another 50 years, they will still be as fresh as they were then as they are now. So it's that kind of you know level of music. So looking through, you know, as I mean, obviously you've got all your furniture to sort out and various other things, but when you look through some of his compositions here, I mean, it really is part of his legacy, isn't it? Oh, totally, absolutely. I mean, Carpio's recipe, he recorded that on the, on the CD, but he's got this one untitled, so there's quite a couple untitled. TC's Species, so TC for Tony Carpio, apostrophe S, TC's Species... And that's, that tune is here. That's been around for a good while. Uh, that was written in the 60s. So, yeah, that's been there. When you were learning a song, was it by listening or would you write... Listening. Yeah, listening. rather than reading notes. Yeah, no, listening, purely listening. Right. Yeah. I mean, nowadays we have so many tools, right? We've got, you know, everything on the phone. You can put a background and then you can practice with that. But before, not, not at all. It's so, so it's much easier now to learn... You but, know. I mean, amongst the stuff here, I mean, could there be compositions of Tony's that have never been played? Absolutely. Well, not been recorded. Ah, but they, they've been Maybe played. they would have played it. Yeah. Like this one, I don't even know who. We'll meet in summer. I went through this painstakingly to make it so you could at least read it. And this is music by him and lyrics by Marilyn Fay. No idea who she was. So, yeah, there's lyrics on that one. We'll meet in summer, and then, yeah, there's the vibes, everything. Um, so vibes, guitar. Yeah, so m my aching back. I mean, he suffered from an aching back in later years in life, and to think he was composing a song about it in the 60s, yeah, it was, my you know, funny, back. very funny. So, yeah, I haven't heard that. I'm dying to hear what that sounds like. So can you get your son's, uh, Chris and Bernard, I to, can. to, to... They haven't seen play. this yet, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Tom's Delight. Tom was his father, so Tom's Delight. Now, Tom Carpio, of course, was uh, an amazing banjo player. Uh, he used to go on the ships also to America, I think. To Canada. To Canada. Yeah, yeah. yes. And he, uh, he also when was... When he was in his young, young age. I think he was still a teenager. But he wasn't that keen when his son wanted to learn. He, because... No, he discouraged <laughs> him. He didn't want him yeah. to have the life of a musician. Yeah, because I think Tom also was an accountant as well. Absolutely. He was a CPA. He went and did studied at night to become an accountant. And, of course, when he retired from accountancy, he went straight back to music. Music was his love, first love. Well, lowering the temperature even further, an Irving Drake standard now, with Tony Carpio on acoustic guitar and doubling on flute. Papa Tom Carpio, having left all the music copying for a while, is on bass and Rudy Bassi on drums. And together, it was a very good year. Tony, it was really in him, wasn't it? Oh, totally, from the beginning, yeah. Couldn't discourage him. <laughs> so that's just a few of the songs. There's at least four, four songs here than, yeah, that have never been played, never heard. Now so when I you're... can't wait to hear them. Yes, I was going to say, get Chris and Bernard to 
Definitely. They'll have to play them soon. Yeah. <laughs> After we finish moving house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're actually looking through a series of music notes. And uh, so it's all got uh, where you've uh, sometimes Tony's d- Tony Carpio had done it in pencil and Rosalie's uh, gone over to make it dark. But these are original compositions by him. Yeah. And uh, I feel quite it is quite interesting to it's be here. And, yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, I was thrilled to bits when I found these. I thought, wow. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, definitely uh, something to, yeah. to, to keep and, yes. and keep going through the Carpio generations. Absolutely. And then I've also found uh, the music. There's only a few things I must keep. And the other things we all, always used to do were four, four-part harmonies. Sort of. So he, like, of course, there's the Letterman and the Freshman and all. That was an era. And we all did that. The Letterman? Yes, we did uh, vocal harmony. So four of us, four-part harmony. I was the main, but before that, I mean, in Bangkok, it was, of course, all four male singers, right? The bass player, the drummer, everybody sang. And what is the Letterman, sorry? A vocal harmony group. You'll have to look them up on (laughs) on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, there were tons of groups singing harmony before. So there were four of you? Yeah, it's normally a quartet, right? So even Singers Unlimited, they did fantastic harmonies. Of course, they came later. And yeah, but this was 60s and 70s. There were still many groups doing vocal harmony. And some of the charts are still, I've kept them because they were special because he arranged the vocal, the voices for each person. So they're special. And he put his twist on the songs. We did Dream and Smile and uh, Smile, that's the old song. That's uh, Charlie Chaplin, he wrote that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so vocal harmony, very... Serenade the ladies, right? Very soothing, beautiful harmonies. And uh, looking through here now, I mean, does it take you back to some of the clubs that you were at? Oh, definitely. <laughs> the good old days. It's changed so much now, of course. The whole world's changed now. But, yeah, musically also has been affected by all everything. But I think live music is starting to come back a little bit now. Uh, definitely coming back now. Just takes time to get going, everything get going again. When you look back at these, you're saying some of them are from the 60s. And, of course, you get to know Tony, what, in the early 70s? Yes, in the 70s. So this was way before my time, so... (laughs) (laughs) But it's all well to keep it as a sort of archive. they're precious. It's very special. So I'm just thankful that I managed... Of course, I'm the only one that knows what's there. The sons are young, so... Of course, now I will open them up to all of this. They can see these things, these songs. So special, very special. And what do you think Tony would feel about his son sort of interpreting his compositions? Very proud, super proud up there, yes, <laughs> definitely. Bursting with pride. <laughs> you first got to know him at the Hilton? Uh, almost, yes, yeah. Through, yeah, because he worked in the Hilton, so. And what was his band called again? Uh, he was with Budding Twason. He wasn't the leader, he was a sideman. He did that on purpose so he could study composing and writing and big band writing. And that's when they did the showcase series for ITHK. Oming Alakorn, Ding Buzz Buzz, and Tony Capio with My Kind of Love. So they were, there was those arrangements, they were all new and fresh, brand new then. So he worked with Buddy Toisson at the Hilton, and of course, uh, Andrew Toisson is now uh, also a, a band leader here in Hong Kong. Absolutely. So you start playing with, you know, when you were looking back through these. I didn't sing with uh, Tony until the late 70s when we were in the Dickens Bar. But it was a few years, I didn't sing in the beginning, 
and then eventually, I think early 80s was the time already. And that, what a busy time that was. Yeah, yes, yes, very busy. <laughs> we were, yeah, crazy busy. So it's interesting with the contracts and the compositions, I know that Tony had a huge amount of music books from always studying. Yes, I've had to deal with a lot. <laughs> I mean, we could have <laughs> we could have done a whole library for a university. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books, but I've had to downsize because there's only a limit to what you can put in your storage. And what about your recordings? Actually, in the uh, Dickens Bar, yeah, I did a lot of cassettes. I recorded them on cassettes. So I have a, a case full of those which Chris hasn't listened to yet. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Another yes. thing to be done, to, yes. to be transferred. Well, yeah, just converted. dub them off. But I think, I think you've done a good job because live music can be very, obviously, very, by its very nature, is very transient. You're not in a recording studio. Yeah. So the fact that you've done quite a lot to preserve this Hong Kong music heritage really yes i recorded i recorded all the time uh, the big band i have recorded and videoed when we we're in the functions you know but now it's done professionally not just with a small camera right and <laughs> now they've got the gopro and everything else now i never got to interview tony because he was i mean i know other people did but he was a very mm. quiet man yeah he was yeah. always nice to me on the phone but i never yeah. quite got <laughs> <laughs> yes he was soft-spoken except in rehearsals Yes, all right. <laughs> and then it, it made then up. Then it made up for the quiet time. <laughs> but he was also a quiet man by nature, wasn't yes, he? Yes, 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 yes. Oh, he yeah. didn't talk a lot. No, he didn't talk a lot. Uh, unless you talked about music, then you could tap the buttons. Yes. Yes. Indeed. No, I mean he he was friends with you know, other Hong Kong uh, musicians, Skip Moy. Yeah, yeah, they were good friends, and of course Danny Diaz, who's now gone back to Canada, but always a good friend to talk to, and. They enjoyed each other's company. Many hours talking with Skip. So, yeah, but I think it was also because Skip could talk music. Exactly, yes. <laughs> and on the same wavelength. So what are you going to do with these? Uh, they're being saved very carefully. Yes. Yeah. No, I think you've done a great in, job in so far. the treasure chest. Yes. <laughs> so this is about 50 years uh, or oh, more. 60s. Yes. So that's more than, yeah, 60 years ago. So you've got, you've got his music, you've got his photos... Yeah, yes, I've got a lot of black and white photos too. So Tom kept, and but some of them are uh, sort of disintegrating. But yeah, still many photos there. So Tom, his dad, also kept. Oh, he was yeah, he was good too. He kept yeah the old photos and things. I'm the only one who got a photo of the grandfather, Tony's grandfather. Even Teresa didn't know, and I found this. I've got this, and I searched on the net internet. And I found where he was buried in China. He died in Tianjin in China. And at the time, they were at uh, that time, the Philippines was under America. So this wonderful certificate, death certificate, with a wealth of information on it, even where he's buried and the grave number. So yeah, I got a heap of information for that. And the, the, that so that was Fred and Tom's father. Yes. And what was his name? Uh, Ligurio. And Ligurio uh, so he, he was Carpio. Ligurio Carpio, and was he a musician as well? No, he was a, uh, actually a chef, and that's why he went to China to cook, cook in China. He was a very good cook. They were all good cooks. Tony was an excellent cook. Yes. Right, and so was Tom. He was, you know, cooked. They cook all the special specialty uh, Filipino dishes. 
the Spanish ones. The famous one is puchero, and then he used to cook a really, really wonderful kari kari, which is the one with this. They put peanut butter now, but it wasn't done that way in the old days. We roast the peanuts and grate them, and do them on the on the uh, mortar and pestle. So, what is a kari kari? K a r i k a r i, with tripe and oxtail. Okay, and, and this is a Filipino dish, or yeah, Spanish. Filipino dish and of course the one famous for is puchero which is a Spanish dish and that was the big cook-up which we have at Christmas time so that's our tradition already. <laughs> so I mean you're from Australia yeah but uh, so what is your Christmas then you, you also do well, we cook Filipino puchero every year now yeah I used to do turkeys but that went out the window once Tony got in the kitchen yeah the other thing we can just talk about, as soon as we're talking about his music, is Tony played a lot of guitar solos, his own interpretation, sort of like George Van Epps. Uh, he listened to George Van Epps a lot, but Tony had his own style of playing, very, very intricate. I mean, and it's a tragic loss that these things weren't recorded. It really is. I, I said to him, even if we just do it at home, it's still better than nothing. But there were a few done on uh, with Uncle Ray's showcase series. You know, he did Misty there and Black Orpheus. And, uh, but he, he did many, many beautiful numbers. And he used to practice so long so he could get the stretch between his index finger and the pinky. He didn't have big hands like, you know, of course some Americans got really big hands. But he could stretch. He could stretch the, on, the, on the neck. And not everybody can play that and do that. So, yeah, very priceless. He's, the things he played, it's just a shame that they weren't all recorded. I've saved a lot anyway. I'm yes. happy with the stuff I've yes. saved. Uh, but I, gone, you know. I'm interested in those Dickens cassettes, I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a case full I can show you right now. Because I never yeah. made it to the Dickens, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. That was in the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, or it was, 80s and 90s. Yeah, 80s, um, 77, 78, up to for nearly 18 years we were there. Yes. And then and they decided to make it a sports bar. So such a shame because the Dickens was an institution Anybody who came, any jazz players who came to Hong Kong knew they had to come to the Dickens Bar on a Sunday. And it was quite wild, so, wasn't it? Not wild, but I mean, yes, because they had fun. Yes, they played up, and that's, you know, lifting each other up in the chair and you know, just all a lot of craziness. But it was serious business, the first two sets. They mucked around in the last part. But it was serious they, music all the way through. Oh, totally. They played, you know, heavy, heavy-duty charts, 500 miles high and... Uh, a lot of, yeah, really tough charts, but it was fantastic, you know, because we had the freedom to do it there. If you do a function, you can't play those type of numbers, so it was just, you know, really jazz. And that was on Sunday afternoons? Sunday afternoons. So about once a month, was it? Or? Yeah, it started off, uh, well, we had this octet, that was the initial contract, and then eventually Tony wanted to introduce the the big band. <laughs> And then after that, of course, we wanted to do it more because it was great and very successful. Everybody, I mean, from all walks of life, everybody came to the Dickens Bar to watch the big band. I mean, many friends have found now, oh, we used to go to the Dickens Bar too. I said, wow, that's great. So then he proposed and, you know, after this was successful for two years being in the summer and then proposed once a month. So it was a 
first Sunday of every month. Yeah, and became such an institution. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was yeah, fantastic. It was full. Now, he, before doing sort of aspects like that, well, he was part of a pop group, wasn't he? In the 60s, it was his group, the Corsairs, well-known. Yeah, they had big following. They worked in Bangkok, and then they come back to Hong Kong and go back again. So they went back and forward several times. In 1992, I mean, to just show what a serious musician he was. Yeah. I mean, of course, when you're working in hotels, when you're uh, working in uh, nightclubs and things like that, you would be uh, probably playing a lot of your own music, but you're also no, playing... No, commercial, it's, absolutely it's, commercial yeah. and disco yeah. and dancing, commercial. Yeah. So it's other people's So requests. that was to make money yeah. to pay for the CD because so he paid for everything himself. Yeah. In 1992, he, in fact, collaborated with some American musicians. Oh, absolutely, the top guys, Claire Fisher, the one... Wonderful Claire Fisher, John Petitucci on bass. The drums was Harvey Mason, and he used Steve Houghton on some other, a couple of the songs. And a good old Andy Simpkins, the bass player. He was Sarah Vaughan's bass player. And Gary Foster. That was when they played that song. It was a marriage made in heaven. They never went back to record again, but that they should have. They should have done that because. It just brought tears in your eyes when we were listening to them recording that. It was one take only, that um, the ballad, Will It Ever Be? It was just so poignant. And there was no overdubs on that. The only overdubs were on some of the other things when he added the strings from his um, guitar synth. Very little overdubs. But that one was not was purely what they played on the spot. And that was his 1992 CD. Yeah, it was super special. Yeah, very, very special. Because that was very Recorded much... Recorded in L.A. And very demanding. Yeah, yes, of course. <laughs> and two small kids, they were all up on the roof playing with the manager's son on the roof of the Bonaventure with their bikes, so they had a ball. Exciting, though. Yeah, yes. Oh, absolutely exciting. And um, how did he feel about finally, you know, having the opportunity? I, I mean, he oh, really... he, he, that was his whole aim. I mean, that was what he was strove for. When it was finished, then we went back to the... We had a suite, you know, in because we were there for you know, a month and finished a whole bottle of EXO. And still, you're different. It was so different. Even you finished it, you were not passed out or anything, just cloud nine, it, you know, because from the whole experience, just so special. Now, he never made that CD commercial. No, only we sold it, yeah. Holly Graham took some and they sold it around, but, yeah. Because he wasn't about that, was he? No, it was about his show what he's done with his life. That you know, he could have recorded the jazz tunes, but that wasn't what it was about. Now Tony had the caliber 
that he could have been international, but he chose to stay in Hong Kong. Yeah, he loved Hong Kong. That's we stayed here all the way. But yeah, he had the opportunity to go to the. He went to the states in the sixties, and then he, they wanted him to stay there, but he turned it down and came back just as well. Otherwise, he wouldn't have met me. <laughs> Singer Rosalie Carpio there, who's been entertaining us for decades. The Carpios are a music family institution, with Teresa and Rita and Tony, Fred and Tom. Tony's two younger children, Bernard and Chris, are talented musicians. Bernard on saxophone and Chris on piano. And I look forward to chatting with them sometime on the programme. Meanwhile, if you'd like to have a listen to their band, Soul Funk Tape, they'll be on at the upcoming Free Space Jazz Fest at West Kowloon. And they'll be performing on October the 7th at 6.45pm. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. be a perfect employer? You have to pay wages and make MPF contributions on time. Remember to make MPF contributions and submit remittance statements on or before the 10th day of each month. If there are public holidays on or before the 10th of the month, you should arrange your MPF contributions earlier. A 5% surcharge will be imposed for late contributions. Use electronic services to make timely and accurate contributions.